Hey everybody, Notch here. Just a quick thing before you listen to the newest episode of TuffCast. This one was recorded on Monday night, but because of a variety of issues, we weren't able to get it out until Friday. Uh, we recorded before we knew significant pieces of information about Ryo, about the Fury. A lot has happened basically since Monday. So that stuff won't be covered this week. We'll be back next week to cover some of that stuff. Uh, again, apologies for these disruptions that... Uh, my being out of town have caused we'll uh, in the next few weeks be able to get back to a slightly more normal schedule anyway with that enjoy this week's episode of toughcast coming to you from the twin cities this is toughcast and welcome to toughcast by two united fans this is not and this is colin and caleb and let's not take the bait it's episode 68 welcome back notch we missed you we did miss you Thank you. Welcome Thank back. you. Yeah, I, I missed, I mean, you know, without putting out my inane ravings in this hour-long recording every week, I was, you know, boring all these colleagues that I'm traveling through India <laughs> with, with my inane ravings. Turns out I'm a pretty crazy person. Um, <laughs> you know, when it's not all being bottled up in this format uh, and, and, it, and it turns into me as a human being, that that's pretty bad. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm, I'm glad that you have this release notch. Yes, that's that's literally all that we do it for, not for the five people that listen. Yeah, this is healthy for you. See, you said half a dozen earlier. Now we're down to five. Later <laughs> in the episode, we're going to be down to four. You know, as time goes on, one more person's going to start tuning out. Like that. That's the way it goes. I think <laughs> I think the episodes are still set to auto download on my podcast app. So <laughs> yes, we'll have one. <laughs> so that's that's going to be it. And then eventually, I'm just going to like click off and then we'll be done. <laughs> just streaming into the void. So I can't even depend on having three listeners for this show, the three of us. <laughs> By the way, uh, did you guys see that Anthony Weiner, former congressman, former New York mayoral candidate, sexted someone again? Again. Car- Carlos Danger back in action. Yeah, at this uh, time he had his kid uh, in one of the photos. What the? F- That's so gross. I mean, at the very least, there's going to be a lot more Tinder swiping going on in New York, but... Oh my god. I mean, this is like the least surprising news ever. I, yeah, it's yeah. it's even less surprising than Minnesota MLS. So yeah. <laughs> the guy the guy needs coming. help, man. The guy needs help. I guess it was just it was just I woke up in the morning and I'm like, what's happening in America? I look at the news app and it's like, whoa, this is bad <laughs> news. Uh, but anyway, there was another piece of news on Saturday that I do want to talk about just very briefly, which was. Um, San Francisco 49ers quarterback uh, Colin Kaepernick had a protest um, apparently for a few games now, if I understand correctly. He's been sitting for the national anthem um, to protest essentially uh, violence against black Americans. And uh, there's been a lot of lot of negativity about his protest. There's been a lot of questioning about his patriotism and, and a few other things, a lot of memes of folks standing for the national anthem and with him sitting. And I, I just want to say one thing, which is... Um, to me, this was the kind of convenient protest, the kind that uh, you know doesn't inconvenience or hurt anybody else, but makes a statement. And um, I wouldn't do what Colin Kaepernick did, but then I'm not a young black man in America, so I can't really tell you what I would do in his position. Uh, it's just that I think instead of criticizing him and saying that he doesn't understand the gravity of the national anthem, I think he does, and I think his protest meant something. We should be asking... Um, what drove him to do that? And and if there is a real issue there, I mean, we had a recently a governor on TV saying people of color are the enemy. That's that's you know, it's it's kind of it's there's something there, and and I think it's it behooves us to kind of explore what that is rather than just throw bile at him 
for his uh, action. And I'm, I'm writing something about this too. I, I felt finally moved again to, to put something on paper. But uh, it's... Uh, I, I think protest is one of those things that we should be asking why someone was driven to protest rather than, uh, simp- than criticizing the mode of that protest. But uh, Quite frankly, it's difficult to really empathize with anyone that's upset about a protest. Typically, the people that are upset are the ones that the person is protesting against. They're members of, in the Kaepernick case, primarily a white group of Americans that is unwilling to face up to the huge amounts of racial inequality in the United States. So if you're going to be upset about somebody standing up and saying, this is wrong, I have a platform, I want to be able to say something about this, I don't think that you really have the right to say, you can't do this. Yeah. And uh, when we have one of our one of the 50 governors in the United States saying, all people of color are the enemy, then there's something wrong. I mean, we have to stand up and make that known to everyone that, no, people of color are not the enemy. And maybe... Um, we should uh, protest and see, say that um, we should, I don't know what to say here, but um, we need to make, especially during the, if you're a quarterback for a team who's on national television every week, you need to, you need to stand up for something and make that issue known to people who may not know it. That's important too, just because he has that exposure. It doesn't matter that he's making millions. He's still speaking up for the little guy. And that, I think that's very important. And to pull it over to to our the relevance on our podcast, I think it's that there was a lot of this reaction was that you know a sports game is not the place for protest. But all I'm going to say to that is, you think Governor LePage or Donald Trump when they go to a sports game, like a switch goes off in their head, then they suddenly stop being racist? Like that doesn't happen, you know? It, it's injustice is like it doesn't stop at the gate of a sports stadium, and neither should awareness and protesting. I think I think any assembly of people is as good a place now now if you protest something stupid people are going to call you out for that and, and it's not going to be accepted but you know like we saw some a little bit of a frivolous protest earlier in the year uh at minnesota united uh with pro rel but yeah yeah, yeah. so 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 it's not, not as all, of an issue. But, but i mean the point there is when it's something you disagree with that's typically the issue that's when you say the protest was silly it's when you agree with something, you know, the protest is kind of um, something you accept and move with. Like today, when we look back at some of the things Muhammad Ali did, it's like, well, yeah, he was, he was absolutely right to do that. When you look back at some of the things MLK did, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, he was absolutely right to do that. And that's because today, looking back, we agree with them. And that's the thing with the Kaepernick thing that concerns me the most is that people don't agree with him when he says that racism is, a, is something that we need to look out for. And uh and I would I would ask people to just think about that and think about the fact that sports aren't sacrosanct as spaces for protest. You you need to be able to to speak up there. Sports, if anything, is one of the best ways to highlight some of the things that need to be protested in our society. And when you look at just the institutional racism that happens in sports, you look at the amount of African American, Hispanic American, um, you know, any person of color within front offices within coaching ranks you know compare that to the players exactly for those sports yeah when there is a primarily 
person of color base of players, you would hope that it would be reflected in the types of people that end up in more positions of power within these sporting organizations. But unfortunately, it's still a primarily white fraternity. So, you know, kudos to Kaepernick for having the courage to do so, to, you know, protest against things that he rightfully deems to be unjust. Um, One final note, even bigger props to him for spelling his name correctly. All right, right, let's move on to NASL stuff and get away from all this serious stuff and talk about uh, the FC Edmonton racism. Oh, oops. We did have another incident that we should talk about really briefly while we're on a related topic. Uh, I know you guys had this on the notes a little bit below, but um, Chris Nurse from Puerto Rico FC was playing uh, FC Edmonton and and accused a FC Edmonton player um, of using a racial slur. Um, and I don't know if we want to say it, the translation out in English. Uh, I don't think maybe that's not the, the nicest thing to do. But uh, in Spanish, essentially what he said was he, he used uh, the equivalent of the N-word and, and a homophobic slur together. Am I correct? Yeah, the equivalent of the N-word. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Um, so Chris Nurse posted on his Facebook page and also on his Twitter and there was also a little bit of an altercation after the match. Yeah, it seemed he, pretty obvious that he was running over to um, Edmonton's captain, yeah. trying to talk to the ref as well. Eventually, they had to you know, separate him yeah, from the players. pulled away by the manager for Puerto Rico and the backup goalkeeper. But yeah, so um, you know, long story short, he was separated from the fracas and then posted on Facebook, you know, this is what happened. This is what a unnamed player said to me eventually it came out that it was um their relatively new signing uh nicholas dibiase yeah um uh, he's argentinian right and the slur that was used um has actually come up a few times in recent years among south american players and the the explanation for it i've always found really lacking that Within South American cultures, there tends to be less of a import placed on racial slurs. So when you call someone the N-word, it's meant to be that you're describing the color of their skin rather than using incredibly loaded language to disparage them. See, and I, I'll, just, the- I'll just be very brief on that point, which is that a lot of people say something very similar about Indian culture, and a lot of that is because I would say the explanation is that we see that more. We we use those descriptors because that's all we're seeing. The, as We're not seeing them as people. We're seeing them as people who are of a particular color, religion, or, or ethnicity, and that's kind of why we use those terms. I, I don't think that's an adequate explanation to me, and, and for, forgetting even the cultural context – uh, of of or why and giving him the benefit of the doubt that it's used in South America, blah blah blah. You still don't like. You should know where a slur is taken seriously and where it's not. Like it's on him in Puerto yeah, Rico exactly. in particular. This slur is very serious. I know there's that. There's no excuse for, a fact. for there's no there's no excuse for Dibiase saying that to Chris Nurse. And the thing that stood out to me from uh, his Twitter and Facebook post is that Chris Nurse felt um, nervous while putting that out there that he didn't. 
completely want to come forward and say tell a story, which is something in sport that should be happening because you want to take this out of uh, out of the game. Right, and this isn't even the first time within you know lower league North American soccer in the last you know ten days that really nasty slurs have been uttered on the field. You had yeah. an incident with um, the LA Galaxy reserve team against Orange County mm-hmm. where Robbie Rogers, the, as far as I know, only openly gay male professional soccer player in the you know U.S. system, was repeatedly called a faggot. And, you know, the fact that he had to you know, go on Twitter and say, this is what happened to me. I thought that we were past this as a people. I've had so many great positive experiences related to you know, being out and openly gay. To have this happen so, you know, so past the point that it should have been an issue. Mm-hmm. You know, he was horrified by that. Yeah. There's really no place in the game for any sort of language... Uh, degrading an opponent by their color of their skin or sexual orientation, and it's absolutely disgusting. Um, just a further note, just on racism in American game, in the American soccer tiers, there's only really one instance that I found, and that was in MLS, where a Columbus Crew fan uh, directed a racial slur towards a Revolution player who was black after he scored a game-winning goal. Um, they hadn't, they still, as of right now, they haven't identified the fan i don't know if the investigation is still ongoing but don garber said if they did find the fan he would be banned for life so at least the punishment is severe once the punishment is uh given out right yeah i, th- I think now, bringing it, it in and, and kind of leaving it on a slightly positive note because we've been talking for 10 minutes on dower subjects <laughs> is um i think this is at least acknowledged as a problem a lot more than um, maybe in some other leagues around the world. Where, where these, I mean, these things happen everywhere. It, it's not. This is not a uh, a thing that is unique here. But at least we're talking about it. At least there are league officials saying that'll be penalized. I think more can be done in enforcement. But I think the first step is acknowledging the problem. And I, and on the subject of uh, Nurse and Dibiase, NASL has said that it is. Looking into it, what comes out of that, we shall see. But yeah. uh, I'd, I'd be curious as far as what sort of steps on the field you can do for enforcement. I mean, it is difficult for referees to do even the basic parts of their job. You know, we, we see that with <laughs> the referees that we have. So to also add on being able to you know hear all the way down the pitch when you have you know, anywhere from two to 10,000 fans, you know, screaming in the background, you know, you aren't going to hear everything. You know, hopefully incidents like this and punishments that, assuming that this is true, I mean, there's really nothing coming out to the defense of Nico DiBiase at this point. But, you know, assuming that this unfortunately is true, um, you would hope that some sort of severe punishment is going to come his way. From there, we can hope, I, I don't know, again, how this would happen, but you would hope that referees would be willing to you know, show a red card if you hear some sort of you know, slur based on race, based on gender, sexual orientation, anything like that. 
So so let, let's see what let's see what happens. I think in the next few days it'll come out. But it's time to to keep moving on to to our matches actually that occurred uh, this past week. And the first one, uh, Miami traveled to Ottawa, and in front of four thousand five hundred people, it ended nil nil. Very exciting. Yeah, and unfortunately, we have to talk about a, a fairly scary incident that started the match out third minute when um, Johnny Steele going up for a header. Um, accidentally tabletopped, we'll say, yeah. and ended up falling. I think directly on his head or neck. He, he flipped a little bit and landed pretty much directly on his neck. He bounced a little bit, which was really disturbing, and then put his hands up and immediately to the back of his neck. So, um, he tweeted out later that he w- the next day that he was okay. So that's good, but really scary moment at the TD place. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it is very difficult for me to have sympathy for Johnny Steele, I will readily admit. But watching that video, you know, my heart goes out to him. I'm really hoping that any sort of, you know, lasting injuries I get from it are quick and that, you know, once he is fully recovered, we can go back to hating his guts again. <laughs> yeah. The way it's intended to be. Right. Hopefully this convalescence will let him grow his beard back. And uh, Bezer was finally benched for DeBellis, the best-named goalkeeper in America, Marcel DeBellis. Just rolls off the tongue. DeBellis. How do you do? Yeah, one, one start and one clean sheet. So, yeah, yeah. The DeBellis experiment is so far going really well. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Uh, next, next, next up, we've got uh, New York Cosmos versus Carolina Railhawks, uh, which ended six-one <laughs> in front of three thousand two hundred people. <laughs> For a minute, I thought there were going to be more goals and fans at Short Stadium, but uh, that turned out not to be true. Uh, there were <laughs> yeah. three thousand people it, there. It's it started out so well for Carolina, too. Matt Fondy. I mean, who else is going to score for Carolina? It's going to be Matt Fondy. Puts in the first goal of the game. Yeah, yeah it, it was It was a pretty decent attacking move. Um, cross from um, Al-Badawi. Slotted home. Probably could have had a little bit more from Jamie Maurer, but you I mean, can't fault him too much. It, I, it was a good goal. I'm going to go on a maybe a risky stance and say I'm not going to fault any Cosmos players for this whole entire game ever. Because <laughs> they scored six goals and only let in one, and it completely dominated. I, right. I, so. I, I think there was a Minnesota United blowout earlier this year where we beat some, I forget now which team we beat uh, just with a lot of goals. And, and there were some people like criticizing stuff, and I was like, guys, no, 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 we won like 4-0. No, you can't criticize anything when that happens. You just have to like no, accept yeah. it. By the way, when Fondy scored, did he go to the end line, look up at the sky with his arms in the air, going Miola? But anyway, how well, was how was case, the how did the game yeah. kind of roll through it? Like, what was well, the, the f- you know, first half actually was fairly even. Um, mm-hmm. Cosmos did equalize two minutes yeah, later, right immediately. Yeah. To, uh, uh, one around goal from the edge of the box. Right. And from there, fairly even with chances. Um, neither side was very threatening as the first half ended, but second half, it, it was as if Carolina fell over and tumbled down some stairs while the New York Cosmos fired up a steamroller. I think the New York Cosmos had Gordon Bombay give their halftime talk. <laughs> so in your metaphor, by the way, yeah. there was a steamroller going downstairs. Um, 
wouldn't wouldn't we really be very good for the steamroller? I don't think. Uh, um, <laughs> no. I, I I think that while they were while the Railhawks were just sitting at the bottom of the stairs, being like, "Ah, my back, my arms, my everything hurts." <laughs> the Cosmos put a bunch of like plywood down and just let the steamroller just fly through, gunned mm-hmm. it at about like five feet left. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Akira Fitzgerald had a pretty awful game. A couple of those goals that the Cosmos scored were deflected off a defender that he couldn't do anything about. Uh, the the goal that kind of opened the floodgates, though, um, a shot by uh, Sebastian was on Gunzati. 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 Sorry, uh, Sebastian Italian name. <laughs> kind of on low, low curling shot, right? The Fitzgerald hits him. Kind of just lets it go out, and the Rondo just hops on it and tips into the goal. And yeah, then after it, that, it was it was an open a, season a fine finish. Goal. Um, definite credit needs to go out to Andres Flores, who not only scored a goal, um, fairly decent goal at that, um, but also got the gentleman's hat trick. Three assists, not easy to do. Yeah, no, well, he scored no. six goals. I mean, <laughs> right? But I got you know, a, Flores way, is actually. Sh- a stat that'll be kind of interesting is that uh, the teams with the most goals against, Railhawks are number one with 37. They've been defeated by four goals or more three times by Indy, us, and by uh, the Cosmos. And the next highest team with goals against is 29 with Jacksonville. So Carolina, is this, wow. this is not, not really a, a weird thing for them. They've been going down this road this whole season. Yeah, I I honestly, my belief about Carolina is that they will either play you off the pitch or they will just completely get annihilated. I don't know if there really has been much of a team ever that is so mercurial. It, I think it's Schrodinger's team. Until you open the box, you don't know if they're going to play or not. But uh... Right. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, uh, anything more to say about this game? Yeah, the less said about that, the better. Uh, moving along to Tampa Bay versus Oklahoma City, Raya OKC. Uh, Tampa ended this game 2-1. They got a win finally, guys. And they scored. It's a, it's a miracle. Yeah. The sun's shining in Tampa Bay once again. Jesus, right. a.k.a. Joe yeah, Cole, it, was there? Indeed, he was, yeah. yeah. Um, honestly... The first half, and I think overall the you know standard of play, there was probably a longer time in this game than in the Cosmos game where Tampa Bay was just far and away the better team. Um, Ryo, very few chances in the first half, uh, nothing in the second half. And yeah. and in the first half, Joel Cole missed the penalties. And I was following this on Twitter and like, oh, same old Tampa Bay Rowdies. They just can't score. And then the second half, they just proved me wrong. <laughs> yep. And specifically... They were in the, their uh, dressing room at the halfway buzzer. You know, they follow your account. They're all subscribed to you. And so they're like, oh, man, Caleb Distas. Joe, what are you going to do about that? What are you going to do about that, Joe? And then Joe was, that wanka, I'm going to shout him. Oh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then he went out and scored twice. If I yeah. pissed, off, If I actually pissed off Joe Cole on Twitter, that's... I'm done with Twitter. Delete That's, your account. Yeah, I, I, um, <laughs> I have one Twitter as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but yeah, in, in all seriousness, though, the second half was definitely the Joe Cold Show Cold Show. Um, yeah, a, a pair of decent goals, 61st and 70th minute, and you know, just put it away. Um, 
signing of the season so far, unfortunately. I, yeah. mine, mine is still Eamon Zayed, but Joe Cole yeah. is definitely moving up the list. Yeah. Which, by the way, um, there was a little bit of a fracas on Twitter where uh, a, a, a noted uh, NASL staff member decided to post that um, Joe Cole, Amaury, and Omar Bravo aren't getting the uh, recognition they deserve as signings, which, by the way, he excluded Gerardo Torado, so I would say that he's not giving enough recognition to NASL himself. Um, but apparently the U.S. soccer press have not uh, given enough attention to, to NASL. I just want to say this. As someone who's very sympathetic to NASL and loves the league, uh, that's not really true because, yes, these are big signings for NASL, but... Um, uh, MLS is even bigger ones. They've got De Jong, jo- for 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 um, Joe Cole. They've got De Jong. For um, Amaury, they've got Jovinko. For Omar Bravo, they've got Lampard via Pirlo. So at every step of the way, they've got higher profile players, and it's just a question of how many people that are covering the sport. It's really cool for NASL, true, but this is not like NASL as a whole isn't getting as much coverage because nobody's getting paid to do it. You know. Right. You know, not only are there not enough beat writers for NASL, you know, not every market with a team has even that much of a presence for, you know, traditional print media. Certainly most markets do not have, you know, as robust of coverage as like 55-1. There's only so many Neil Morrises that can go around. There's only one Neil Morris. Really. There is only one Neil Morris. <laughs> It would be a really great world if there were like three Neil Morrises. I would sit in a room and see three Neil Morrises discuss things with each other in their southern accents. It would be the most distinguished conversation I've oh, ever heard in my life. So fantastic. That man's that. voice is yeah, wonderful yeah, and he is, he's a very smart man. Um, yeah, but I will but say it, this one. The tweet in question, by the way, it did not say Joe Cole, even though there was plenty of room for it. It actually said J. Cole. Which oh. I would be very impressed if J. Cole signed, except for I'd be very sad because he <laughs> would be leaving his music career behind. I was a huge fan of Born Sinner. Oh, huge. Yeah. Okay. Huge. Nice. That nice. is my jam. All right. Good to know. <laughs> um, I was going to say, what was I? I was going to make a point of some sort really quickly about something. Ah, well, nothing any, I say is intelligent anyway. So we can. Anything more about this game specifically? Uh, about OKC being smacked. How did OKC look? Poor. Yeah. Lifeless. Poor. Lifeless. Listless. Really like they'd been on a bus for like there. 20 hours? Um. Yeah, you know, they, they might have been a little bit cramped up. Um, <laughs> I think I kind of saw a, maybe a 90 degree angle between their shins and their thighs. There you go. Oh, <laughs> Just... <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's uh, let's take a break right here because we're at about the midway point, and we will be right back with the rest of the games. And welcome back to Toughcast. This is Colin and Caleb and Notch. Um, moving on to our next game: uh, Miami versus Minnesota, uh, in front of. Almost 10,000 fans in Miami. Who apparently were lured there by dollar tickets that included a free beer. Who were drowned out by the dark clouds during the whole entire t- uh, TV. Yeah. Well, they, they, I think uh, the dark clouds, you know, it's, it's not fair because we do have the power of rain and weather uh, as well. 
And there's also um, there's some great pictures though. Mike Brandis, Colin Solberg, Sam uh, Solberg, and a few of their friends were all uh, in Miami, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it was a it was a solid crew that made it down for the trip. And to be fair, like they got a decent enough game. Uh, it was a one one scoreline uh, between Miami and Minnesota, um, and not necessarily much in terms of scoring that happened in the first half. Yeah. Perhaps some questionable refereeing. A couple of penalty shots for both teams, um, which makes it more palatable, I guess. But uh, on a free kick, Ramirez is taken down by like a scissor move by one of the Miami defenders. Clear penalty. Uh, didn't even get near the ball. And yet and, was not called. And was not called. And then uh, near the end of the first half, uh, Justin Davis maybe had a handball. Had a handball. Let's let's be perfectly okay. clear on this. It, it was a handball that was not called. So, um, yeah, two penalties for either team didn't go. So I guess that's even. Yeah, both sides <laughs> got mean, equally screwed. Yeah, I guess that makes me feel a little bit better, but not really at all. <laughs> right. Second so, half, though, um, mm-hmm. definitely a, a little bit more active with balls actually getting into the net uh 51st minute um, calvin resende pretty nice cross made its way to quadro poku at the far post smashing home yeah on one no just they were there uh, miami was pressing uh missed out a few chances at the beginning of the half but miami was pressing for a couple minutes there and and then didn't the goal poku smashes it in one nil right ended a i believe it was 275 or 288 something like that scoreless so so uh, unfortunate for sammy and jock to let that in can't really fault him too much no it was, it was a very good cross maybe a little poorly defended but it, it did bounce mm. in the on the turf too so that could have made his judgment a little off but yeah nothing to complain about there right uh so, to their credit though minnesota definitely did go back on the offensive as soon as the goal was scored um decent chance from uh aaron pitch colon off of the corner um headed the ball just over solid game from him yeah he was all over the pitch but pun, intend- <laughs> pun, pun definitely intended um <laughs> defensive <laughs> defensively the, uh, uh, had that chance offensively could have ended up being when he, helping us win the game but he was solid defensively in the middle of the field kind of filling in for uh jeb broff who had moved to the right back so and he played really well. So I hope he gets more chances at that uh, DM spot. Yeah, uh, guys, I had a I had a pretty sketchy stream that I, that came in right after the Miami goal was scored, and this was with Indian internet, so it's kind of blurry. Uh, but it seemed like there was constantly throughout the game there was some sort of um, streaming artifact on the left hand side. Something seemed to be moving really fast and getting near the ball a lot on the left. Um, I, but but I wasn't expecting that, so so I was just wondering what that was. Uh, um, you know, I I had a little bit of difficulty with that too. I wasn't entirely positive what it was. You know, I wasn't really sure because Pino's injured. He's usually on the left, but he wasn't playing. Right. Uh, Jones started on the bench, so he that wasn't him out there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh what? It, no. No. He, Oh my oh, God! By God, Lance. that's Lance Lang's music. That's Lance Lang's music. He's, he's in the building, but not really. Oh, that'd be crazy if he was, though. Miami has a family, Lance. I mean, he's Lance. actually Miami outside because they, they have an open air stadium, but he's <laughs> he's in the building. <laughs> yeah, Lance Lang, really solid game from him. Um, probably our best attacking threat the whole game. Yeah, and moved really well with Davis on the left hand side. Had some good balls between. 
those two. Really did crosses in the middle, and eventually all of his hard work and uh, absolute uh, just, just dogged pace, work, dominant pace against the Miami defense paid off for him in the right after the uh, right, right after the Miami goal. Right, yeah, fifty eighth minute. Um, good cross from Jack Blake. Um, lofted it up into the box. Um, defender headed just a, a right in the air. Right, much. yeah. So Lenslang hits it on the volley. Just chip moonshot probably went i i would say it went over the stands you know what they and say then, all right go ahead well i was gonna say it went over the stands and then somehow just fell into the back of the net you know what they say colin you shoot for the moon you score a goal <laughs> there you go there you go um yeah game unbeaten streak, quality huh? are we impressed two draws Two away draws, though. Yeah, uh, one played in basically on Mercury with the heat and everything. Just right. If absolutely... Mercury had ten atmospheres instead of no atmosphere, that would be the Jacksonville game. And it, <laughs> Miami, Carl Craig has said that they are the most difficult team they've faced in the NASL this year. So they did a draw on the road, especially with one of your. Uh, Bid summer signings finally did on the store sheet. That's a moral victory for Minnesota. Right. All right. Good. 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 Yeah. I was. I kind of feel the same way, which is that a way you you know with, with how much we've lost this year to get those draws is a good thing. So uh, let's see what happens yeah. when they come back. We are seven points off the the fall season um, lead at the moment. Um, I think personally, it's. Unless something goes horribly wrong for Edmonton, we can throw in the towel on on the fall season. Uh, I'm not sure seven points is easily uh, uh, regainable at this point. Yeah, I I would definitely say that the overall table is probably going to be the way that Minnesota will be able to get into the playoffs. Um, even at that, it's it's probably going to be tight. There aren't that many teams really challenging for fifth place at this point. Most most teams that seem like they would be contenders just don't want to get into the playoffs. It seems so. Yeah. If they're able to, you know, just keep at least some points in most of their matches, you know, win some home games, get some draws, maybe a, a win on the road. I I think it looks it looks a lot better than Minnesota United Twitter wants you to believe. Yeah, I think I think the only teams that are that could challenge Minnesota for that playoff spot are the Rowdies, the Strikers, and the Railhawks, all of whom have been terrifically inconsistent this year. So I, I think you're right. I think we do get that fourth place. I don't really see us moving into third um, uh, over Indy because again, there's six points there. But but getting into the playoffs is in the playoffs, you know. And traveling to, I, I'll be happy to travel and win the soccer bowl as much as if it was at home. So. Uh, trophies right. feel the same whether they're won in. Actually, it might be sweet to win it in New York. Uh, but anyway, or or Indy, we could get another road trip to Indy, maybe you know. Yeah, that's yeah. possible. Yeah, so let, let's hope for the best. Let's uh, keep moving though to the next uh, game that we've got here. Which, speaking of which, was Ottawa versus Indy. All the games this week ended in a draw, man. This is what that like typical American fan that's in like every NFL executive's head, the typical American soccer fan who's like, man, nobody wins any games. I like football better. They would have like looked at this week's results being like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I can't really say that any of those draws were 
really all that uneven either. It was it was a lot of either poorly contested matches or evenly contested ones. Yeah, yeah. Maybe this this is something. Uh, maybe the teams, maybe the NSL schedule is getting too cluttered or too long, and teams are just tired and the weekend matches if they play midweek or they've had full mid- midweek games in in a row and they just can't travel as much and uh, are just kind of the teams that are on the road to lesser teams that are higher on the table are kind of easing off the gas pedal to save for the rest of the year. I would almost suggest the opposite. I think that with how strong the home effect has been for the NASL this year, when you start to see some of these draws from away teams, it, it almost makes it seem as though there's maybe, you know, some sort of extra effort coming in travel-wise. Ottawa, in this case, two straight home games, but it was a Wednesday game followed by a Sunday game. So it it definitely, I think, factored into it that Indy had a little bit more rest. Yeah, I mean, how many games do they play in MLS each season, uh, in the regular season? That is a good question. Yeah, top of my head, I, I haven't figured it out for... The expansion teams. Okay, yeah. it is um, because this is thirty for an ASL. So with the ten season, uh, spring season, and twenty in the uh, in in the fall. So anyway, uh, keeping on moving on on this particular game, though, we did see Tom Stewart and Brad Ring score the two goals in the second half. Yeah, yes, yeah. indeed. You really didn't miss too much in the first half. Um, best chance was in the thirty fifth minute. Uh, Williams's back post effort saved literally within a foot by um level palmer um it was it was kind of just like a leaking tap in on the undefended far post yeah. but um palmer was able to slide in um deflected it off of uh williams's foot and then into the side netting i think if you were on the other side of the field you probably would have thought that they scored i think you actually heard a lot of people celebrating the obvious goal that wasn't yeah, and then uh, second half starts, and poor John Bush on that Ottawa goal. Uh, free kick from outside the box. Uh, bounces on the turf and kind of almost wrong-foots him. He kind of like does a little volleyball bump into midair, and uh, Thomas Stewart just beats into the ball in the scramble and heads it in right past him. Clearly it wasn't Father's Day. He didn't have so, his head uh, the sun was in his eyes. We, I just I just looked at the timestamp. The worst thing to do when you're uh, recording. We do have to keep moving on with this uh, so we can get here, get out of here before our final listener, that's uh, C- uh, Colin's auto-downloader, stops listening to us. So moving yes. along to FC Edmonton versus Puerto Rico FC. That game ended nil-nil in front of 2,000 people. But Puerto Rico did well to, again, travel and not concede goals on a turf yeah, surface. Yeah, very literally the... F- I think... The farthest possible trip in NASL, and they were able to have a decent defensive performance. Yeah, neither side was really <clears throat> all that challenging offensively, but credit to Puerto Rico, I guess, for you know keeping, keeping the, the clean sheet. I think the most telling stat about this game is that the match highlights were forty-eight seconds long. <laughs> and that's really all you need to know about this game, right? And <laughs> naturally, of course, the match highlights did not cover the subject that we already talked yes. about. So. Yeah. But by the way, um, is this the, the longest road trip in U.S. soccer? Um, that is, it, a, yeah. it might be, honestly, with how North Edmonton is. 
Um, yeah, let me let me run a quick I, map between um, Edmonton and Puerto Rico versus uh, what, what would the other domestic um, would it be San Jose to New York um, or San Jose to it would probably be LA to LA LA to Boston LA to Boston probably okay. so or or Orlando to uh, Vancouver yeah. All right, it's uh, it's basically not even giving me an estimate. Although it looks like I can do a flight estimate. Nope, that's not working either. So we we look at this for next week's episode. We'll come back to you with with whether this was the longest trip taken by a North American soccer team. Thankfully, it's not Rio. Otherwise, they'd be in a little floaty bus drifting towards <laughs> the Florida yeah. coast right now. Um, but anyway, uh, moving along to our predictions for next week. What do you guys got? What's the what's the first game on our list? So the first game is Fort Lauderdale versus Minnesota United. Uh, United on the road. I am going to hesitantly say United. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a draw, but I think they are starting to get a little bit more bite in them. Mm -hmm. And I think defensively, they've been too strong recently to succumb to uh, some of the positive moves that Amari has had. Uh, One thing that you might want to keep in mind with this match. Fort Lauderdale hasn't played a game in 10 days. So that could either be good for rest or it could be almost too much time that they might start to gather a little bit of rust. Yeah, I also have Minnesota United. And um, just so you guys know, this game is on CBS Sports Network, not My29. So So there might be fewer people watching this game than listen to our podcast. Exactly, yeah. We We can only hope. <laughs> uh, yeah, not uh, who you got. I, I am, you know, again, I, th- I am actually feeling pretty good about calling Minnesota United here because, uh, you know, three game unbeaten is three game unbeaten. I think we're we're kind of in a, on a roll right now. The we kind of had that little dip where everyone was feeling sorry for themselves, and now they're pulling themselves out of it. So I can see this one going to us. They're going to be playing on grass because it's the central, cric- it's the cricket ground. So. I'm hopeful that this, they can pull this one through. And you just doomed us. Thanks, Notch. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, so the other Cosmos match Indy 11. Yeah, other midweek match this week. I've got the Cosmos. It's been difficult, if not impossible, to win at Schuert. With how good they looked, I actually will predict a full-out win for the Cosmos. But this will be the first time they would beat Indy 11. Ever. But I'm also still picking the Cosmos. Just... Want to point that out? I don't think they'll score six, but I think they'll win. I'm I'm gonna go with Indy. It's it's turf. Indy is Ooh. a good team. They did draw against Ottawa. I I I think if any team can pull through against the Cosmos, it's Indy. There's enough history there, and this is enough of a like for like that I think they can do it. Um, There's a. I I'm not gonna disagree with you. I'm just going to say that the Cosmos are still gonna win. All right. Well, to start that the weekend's games, we've got the uh, Maple Syrup Madness, the uh, Craziness in Canada, the um, Canuck uh, Jamboree. Uh, help me out here, guys. There's Come another on. word that you could have rhymed with Canuck Notch. <laughs> oh, no. 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 <laughs> Never mind. Um, <laughs> so, Ottawa FC Edmonton. Um, I've, I'm picking a draw, but if I'm going to lean one way, I would say Ottawa. I think... The performances have been a little bit better. I'm skeptical to see what Edmonton is going to do after the really negative vibe that's going to be coming their way with 
the DiBiase stuff. Maybe they're cooling off. Give me Ottawa here. I got Edmonton. They're just so hard to break down defensively. Um, it's just a question of if they'll score. Um, so Edmonton. Yep, me too. Fort Lauderdale versus New York Cosmos. The New York Cosmos again, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. I another aspect where Fort Lauderdale might have a little bit extra gas in the tank, even though they're playing a midweek game. But I I think there's too many things going right for the Cosmos right now. I'm gonna go with Fort Lauderdale um, for for the home field advantage thing. I think the Cosmos have faltered just a little bit on the road, and if if the strikers do lose midweek, I think that this could be the one that they choose to bounce back. But we'll see. I mean, this is one that I'm not entirely kind of confident about as a prediction. But uh, the next one, all three of us seem to be quite confident that Carolina is going to beat Jacksonville. I mean, I've got it picked as neither team will win because I don't think it's going to be that good of a game. But I, okay. I've got Carolina. So do you think now like, it's going to be like eight nil scenario where the whole field just goes out? I yeah, I'm thinking sinkhole. I mean, it's it's not in Florida, but I think it's still going to be a sinkhole. Sinkhole? Okay. Hopefully, uh, Indy versus Tampa Bay Rowdies. I got Indy on this one. Um, it's it's at home. They're doing well. Hard to go against them. I have a. Uh, I also have Indy, but also Aura Draw. I think Tampa Bay has played pretty well. They just haven't found that killer instinct to score, unless you're Joe Toll. Um, they need, but they need some offense from other people. So, um, but then they're on the road. So, Indy or a draw, I think, nil nil or one one. I'm gonna go out on a huge limb and say Tampa Bay. I think it's gonna be one of those games that either Joe Cole is on fire or EC is able to do something. I'm I'm a, getting a little bit more skeptical about Indy by the day. I think that you know maybe things have started to peak for them. And there might just be a little bit of an exhaustion factor that'll, you know, creep in, make it a little more difficult for them. All right. Uh, moving straight along, we are on to Puerto Rico FC at Miami. Or no, uh, Miami at Puerto Rico FC. I've got Miami on this one. I also have Miami. And they've just been they've been playing really well. Um, the draw at Minnesota United is still a positive result for them. And so they played really well during it. It just came up against Sammy and Jack and the Minnesota defense. They could have scored multiple times during that. And I think uh, Miami, uh, I think Puerto Rico has a, not doesn't have a, that good of a defense. So I think Miami will find the net a few times. I, I've been a little bit more convinced by Puerto Rico's defense, and it is a wonky road trip for any side, even their closest rival, I guess. Um, so I'm I'm going to say Puerto Rico, but I'm not that confident about it. Uh, my well, next one we again look like we're pretty confident that Minnesota is going to beat Raya OKC at home in Minnesota. I imagine you guys yeah, are going to be at this game. Indeed, yep, definitely yep. will be there. Yep, um, it's going to be the first home game since the MLS announcement. Um, I think the fans are going to be really out in force for it. So I could see this being a, a pretty pretty convincing win for minnesota and okc have hasn't looked that good recently in any of their games so i think minnesota will continue that trend upwards and beat okc pretty handsomely brilliant 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 well guys this has been a two continents episode of 
Toughcast by T United fans. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at LockstockSpock. Where can where can these good people find you guys? Uh, you can find me at the attachment. You can find me at K Olson seven sixteen. And you can find our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play. And of course, as always, make sure to uh, tell your friends about this pod if you do like it. We always like having more than one listener. Uh, that's the auto downloader on uh, K- Colin's uh, <laughs> My mom phones. will really appreciate so, hearing what, what, what did you say? I'm sorry, I didn't miss that one. That my mom will really appreciate hearing that people like our podcast. <laughs> exactly. Do, do it for our moms. And yeah. you can also find our podcast at TWO United Fans on Twitter. Uh, so f- with that, uh, we'll be back next week with another Two Continents episode of this show. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.